0: in my eyes Welcome to the Monday version of The Daily Walk. I'm your host, Wayne Clevenger. Today we are in Hebrews 5 through 7, and we're going to talk about Jesus as our high priest. I hope you had a great day of worship yesterday. And we're going to start off the day after worship with talking about Jesus and how he Is who we say he is and how he became what he is and there's a lot to this it goes back in history really good chapter 5 gets into how Jesus has got the label of high priest and the first thing that I, I really like about this is how you know all of us really are called To be a witness, because we're called to, you know, come to Jesus and be followers of Christ and then pray for others. Once we become uh, followers of Christ, you know, our work's not done. There's people out there that are looking for what's missing in their life. And so we are supposed to share what God has done in our life. We call that organic outreach in this other ministry I'm in. And we just share naturally with others what God has done in our life. And a lot of time that has to do with trusting what we say and what we live and trusting in God and knowing that he's gonna change your life forever for the better. And if you listen to my other podcast, The Reckoning to The Journey, there's a lot of trust involved in that, but I promise you that a, a life in Christ is worth it. And you know, my track record shows that I can't do it without him. And you know, it's here's here's why I like to liken it to. You know, in The Journey, I talk about this health and wellness plan we're in. And how we had to trust our health and wellness coaches, who we really, I had just met on an airplane. And yet, to get back into health healthy living, I had to trust what they were telling us was good. And if we want to get into healthy, spiritual living, we have to trust that the witness of others with their life in Christ is good. And... Decide we want some of that Jesus, you know. And here's what, here's a deciding factor that helped us. You know, my lab values in my personal life, my physical life, were not good. My A1C was creeping up to where I was maybe going to have to be concerned with that. And with this health and wellness plan, I was assured that if I would just eat better, take better care of myself, and get my weight down, all that would change. And within eight months, all those lab values came down. I no longer have to take cholesterol medicine. My A1C is down. I, for my whole life, suffered from migraines that were debilitating that would sometimes put me in the hospital. And since... I have got my health and wellness under control. I have not had a single migraine this whole time in over a year now. And so what I'm telling you is if we trust the witness of others and what Christ can do for them, then maybe some of those spiritual values in our life that are struggles, maybe some of the stuff in our life where sin has crept in and causes us to have angry outbursts, that causes us to have you know, sexual immorality in our life, that causes us some of those struggles in our life, maybe if we trust Jesus, he can deliver us from those to where those things are no longer an issue, just like the physical things in our lives are no longer an issue, because we'll have health and wellness in our spiritual life. And it's so cool, because Jesus didn't just get there, he was called of God to do this, and he says, you're going to be, and chapter five talks about that, it says, Even though Jesus was God's son, he learned obedience from the things he suffered, and in this way, God qualified him as a perfect high priest, and he became the source of eternal salvation for all those who obey him, and he was designated to be a high priest in the order of Melchizedek. And so we're like, well, wait a minute, who's Melchizedek? Because Melchizedek's a person, right? Well, we're gonna get to that because chapter seven's gonna cover that really, really well. But that really is an honor because Melchizedek is in the days of Abraham. Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. I am one of them, and so are you. So let's just praise the Lord. So, you know, we always talk about where God called Abraham and said, hey, go to this land that you don't even know. And I'm going to give you so many people that you will have more offspring than there are grains of sand on the shore. And technically, if we want to get technical, we come from that. Because the Lord promised Abraham this land, which was at the time Canaan. Well, they had to flee Canaan because of, uh, if we go back to Genesis, they had to flee Canaan because of famine and they were in Egypt and that's when they uh, end up being in Egypt and Pharaoh treats them bad and then they need Moses to deliver them back out of Egypt to get back to Canaan, but they can't get to Canaan because it's now inhabited by Pagan people who worship idols and all that, so they need Joshua to take them into Canaan where God delivers them into Canaan with defeating all the bad people there. So, I mean, the story goes, right? So we're kind of in this world in our Canaan, and we're going to be delivered into our new world, the new Jerusalem, heaven, by coming to our high priest Jesus and saying, we need you, Lord. So what we do is we look at what the high priest does, and the high priest offered sacrifices, right, to cover their sins. And they would bring in these animals, and they would offer the sacrifices and for their repentance, and... They would do this regularly, right? But Jesus paid it all, once and for all, for being our own sacrifice. And with his own body, and his blood was shed to cover our sins, and then he rose from the grave, conquered sin, conquered death, And by resurrecting from the grave and living again, he defeats all that stuff. And because if we believe in him, we have eternal life with the father. Now, because he lives, not died, but lives, there's a tie with the Melchizedek thing. So chapter six goes into the importance of why we need to believe in this, why we need to repent from our evil deeds, why we can't just get baptized and say, oh, that saves me. No, baptism is a sign that you're saved. Remember, if we go back to the New Testament when John the Baptist was baptizing, he would say, come and get baptized to show that you've been saved from your sins, to show that you've repented from your sins. He didn't say, come get baptized to be saved. He said, to show that you've been saved. And so many times we use that sacrament and think that's what saves us. And that's nothing more than going through a ritual if we do that. Sometimes we use the Last Supper, communion, as a ritual that says, hey, this is gonna make me right. When we use it as that, That's not making us right at all. That's really treading on some dangerous ground because if our heart isn't right and we haven't made our heart right with others, we become like Judas. And Paul tells us that in his writings, if we recall. So they're telling us it's not about, the Hebrew writer's telling us it's not about what you do or what you say or anything like that. It's all about, having that relationship with jesus and believing in the one that came and gave you life through the resurrection (laughs) and so the next thing they do you know there's so many that are superficial remember jesus talked about the seed and the ground and and they talk about superficial and many of these people were leaving the way. The Jesus followers were leaving the way to go back to the Jewish life because the Jewish life was all about rituals and customs and their own little uh, rules and regs. So they were leaving this life with Christ that was all about by grace through faith. You are saved and you can receive the Holy Spirit. That was evidently more than they can fathom and see that's trust right so in that you have to believe that the Holy Spirit's gonna change your values right just like we have to trust our health and wellness coaches that if we change our way of eating habits our way of life and the way we do our eating and and what we intake that our physical values would be better are you tracking with me, that our life would be better and we would be rid of some of the things that cause us destruction, right? And that came to be. Well, in our physical health and wellness, A lot of people don't do it wholeheartedly and they just end up going back to the life they had and their weight comes back and all their physical values still climb and they still got to take a bunch of medicine and they're still struggling with life as we know it, right? And then, you know, obviously sometimes they blame the system because the system, oh, it failed me, but really it was our own fault because we didn't take the system at its worth, and so what's happening with these people is they aren't letting the Holy Spirit fill them completely, and so they go back to their old way because, well, this takes a lot of trust. I can't really do that because I miss, you know, I miss my double cheeseburgers. I miss my chocolate Sundays. I miss my bag of chips. I miss my... Uh, chocolate bonbons I miss my cheesecakes I miss my you're tracking with me but in their world they're just saying I miss my old way of life you know I miss uh, playing the field with the ladies I miss having different kind of people in my life I miss going to this and that so it says in Hebrews 6 verse 4 it's impossible to bring back to repentance those who were once enlightened those who have experienced the good things of heaven and shared in the Holy Spirit, who have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the power of the age to come, and who then turn away from God. It's impossible to bring such people back to repentance. By rejecting the Son of God, they themselves are nailing him to the cross once again and holding him up to public shame. So what the Hebrew writer is saying is, man, once we get a taste of living the life, and then we adulterize that, we betray God, and we go back to our old way of life, it's impossible, virtually impossible, for them to say and admit that they have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, repent once again and come back to that life and so what they're writing about those who were once saved, sanctified and believing and have totally abandoned that life for whatever reason and i use the word adulter word adulterize because you you know if you get in that position you have to think that you are one with christ and when you turn from him that's what he always compares it to is prostituting yourself. you've uh, you've turned against him because you become one with God and then you take yourself out for some other pleasure in life and you leave him. And you know Jesus was really clear that if you leave for another man or woman that you commit adultery. so we leave we leave Christ, for another way of life we are adulterizing ourselves because we no longer think we need Jesus and let me tell you and that's my biggest fear i don't have a fear of god like for punishment my fear of god is for being without him i never want to be without him again in my life because i know that i know and i you know i don't like it when people do that because it's like come on man just say the word I know that I can't do it without him. Let me just put it simple. My previous life, and track record without Christ is real and shows that without Jesus in my life, I'm a wreck, and so I never wanna be that person. So when temptation comes or when anything gets in my way where the old life starts, Satan starts reminding me of that, I just, I just tell myself no. I, I can't do it without God, I don't need that in my life. Because it's true, I've seen people who were once pastors even, fall from grace and you have to know that it's so hard for them to wanna come back to the fold. And I also know that as much as this says it's impossible, you remember Jesus said there's only one unforgivable sin, and that's blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, which is really hard. You've got to be in the Spirit to blaspheme the Spirit. So as much as this says it's impossible, anything is possible with God, remember? Jesus himself says that. So I have seen people hit the part in their life where they've turned from God and they come back to God, and then they serve like never before because they realize it too. So, But what they're trying to say is, man, the reality is once you leave a life with God, you're angry and you're so blaming God that the chances of coming back are slim. So the Hebrew writer says, our greatest desire is that you will keep on loving others as long as life lasts in order to make certain that what you hope for will come true. So here's this. I like this. I highlighted this because it's chapter 6, verse 11, and this very wording in verse 11 is actually my watch thinks I'm calling 911 again, is actually uh, the wording that we'll see in chapter 11, verse 1. So take note of that, because it's they're wanting us to stay true to our Lord so that we what we hope for will come true. That's all I'm going to say, because I want you to have a look at chapter 11. We're going to get to it real soon in the next couple days. But that has a lot to do with your faith and your trust. We have to trust that this Lord we serve will not fail us and will always provide for us because he said he would. And that all those things that used to trip us up, that those values of our spiritual life that used to be not good because we have Jesus now, those will be be better. And a lot of those things that were less than becoming in our life will now be gone. And our spiritual health and wellness will be exuberant. So that's what's really cool about this chapter, and I think it's good. And so in chapter 7, we get into the whole Jesus is compared to the Melchizedek, and we get into the whole Mechizedek thing. So Mechizedek, heres here's in brief what Melchizedek is about. Mechizedek appears to Abraham one day in Genesis, I believe is 14. And Mechizedek, they don't know where he came from. So Michizedek is a priest. He's a high priest. And he comes to Abraham and he says that he's done well. He tells him that uh, the Lord has blessed him and given him victory in his battle. And he is actually high priest over a place called Salem in the Old Testament. And he is his high priest. His name means king of justice. Um. And this place he's high priest over in this place called Salem means shalom or peace. And we hear that often, you know, I'm in a meeting on Tuesdays where a guy comes on and when he comes on, he's got a really deep voice and he always comes on and says shalom. And I love that guy because he is a wealth of knowledge, And I've got to hear him preach a few times, and he is so good. And uh, So here comes this guy. He gives Abraham a message that God has given him victory in his battle. Abraham has great respect for him. So he gives what we start hearing as tithe, a tenth of all he has gained in the battle to Melchizedek. And then all of a sudden, Melchizedek is out of the picture. But Melchizedek has no known beginning, and he has no known end. So what's interesting about Melchizedek is he is representative of the Alpha and Omega. So when they talk about Jesus coming from the line of Melchizedek, that is significant because he is coming from a line that is deserving, that is of peace and shalom And he is from the Alpha and Omega and is able to be in the right place at the right time. Remember, Paul wrote, and I I mentioned this Sunday when I was speaking Sunday about love. Paul wrote, at just the right time, Christ came for you and me so that we might be saved. So, this is where they put in uh, the part about how Jesus guarantees our salvation because uh, the covenant that Jesus gives us is one that's forever because just as the priests would come and go, you know, the priests back then were from the tribe of Levi, which is from not a different tribe than Melchizedek, right? We don't know where Melchizedek came from. Melchizedek was from the era of Abraham, and the tribe of Levi is not. That's from Judah. And so if Jesus is of the line of Melchizedek, even though he's the lineage from Jesus is out of the tribe of Judah, that says something. What it says is if we look at the lineage, the people from the tribe of Levi always came and went, right? They they would be born, they would die. But because Melchizedek always was, and then he, we don't know his beginning, we don't know his end, because he's alpha and omega type being, And we know that God is the Alpha and Omega, and we know that Jesus gives us eternal life because he comes from God. He was in the beginning. Remember John 1.1? The beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. Nothing was created without him. Everything was created through him. So he's part of the Alpha, right? Then they needed someone even from that tribe who could represent like Melchizedek. so then the Lord appointed him as high priest in the from the line of Melchizedek because he is one that will always be, and his forgiveness, once he gives forgiveness and intercedes on behalf of the people for God through God, will always be, and always will be. He is the high priest that we need because he is holy and blameless, unstained by sin, and he has been set apart from sinners and has been given the high place of honor in heaven next to the Lord. And the other high priests would give their, offer the sacrifices for the people and offer them for their own sins first and then the people where Jesus was sinless and will always be. And he offered himself for the people, once and for all. So now we don't have to bring sacrifices to anybody. We bring ourselves, just like Jesus did, and say, Lord, take me, I'm yours. I sacrifice all those things in my life that separate me from you, and I wanna be yours, once and for all. Because like Jesus, we know that through Jesus, we can live that life eternal with him. But because Jesus was called as God's own son to be that high priest order of Melchizedek, you know once we give our life to Christ, we are called to be intercessors in our own little priest's to take that same message of salvation to those in our circle of influence and those around us so that they too can know the God we know. Because man, how awesome is that? So that I think is cool, how we call on the God of Jacob because he is the one (laughs) that sent his son. From the order of Melchizedek, who always was and always will be, to give us life eternal. Amen. That's what we're celebrating on Christmas. The one that always was comes to earth so he can always be, so we can have eternity with him. Isn't that awesome? So on Monday, let's just celebrate this week, not let anything get in our way that we serve a risen Savior who came this season so that we could spend our life with Him. Have a great week, and know your God loves you. I'm calling on the God of Jacob love endures through generations I know that you will keep your covenant I'm calling on the God